Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. The music is dead. Long live the music. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. My name is Kyle Hawk. I am editor-in-chief at music website uh, It's All Dead. And with me is our senior editor, Kyle Schultz, calling in from Chicago. Hello, Kyle. Hello. How are you? Not too bad. How are you, buddy? I'm okay. I'm a little little sad, though. I think everybody's a little bummed out, a little confused. And that's why we're doing this podcast. You, you could almost call this an emergency podcast. This came together pretty quick. And, uh, you know... For anyone that's uh, listening, I'd, I'd been kind of hyping up for a week or two about a big Fall Out Boy podcast we were going to do in which we were ranking their albums and sharing our favorite songs. We're actually going to put that one on hold for just a little bit uh, because of this Blink-182 situation. We Oh, no. What happened, little buddy? <laughs> you didn't hear the news? Whatever is the matter? <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, I, I just feel like – I think we both felt like we needed to address this. I mean – and if you're listening, you're like, address it. Like, you guys have been, you know, It's All Dead has turned into, like, a Blink-182 fanboy site for the past two days because we've been <laughs> posting so much about what's going on. But, you know, a lot of that has been news posts and just factual information. This podcast is just to kind of uh, two guys that are fans of the band just kind of breaking down our thoughts and feelings about it. And, and hopefully um, everybody that's listening can feel a, a part of this conversation as well. So um, if you're listening and somehow you've missed it all, uh, Tom DeLong is out of Blink-182 again, and uh, the, the band's future seems to be a bit in question. But we'll we'll get into that of what the we think the band's future will actually be. But I'll, I'll start off by asking you, Kyle, uh, you were just telling me about you. You saw you saw the news when we posted it. I put up the news post. It's all dead. What was your initial reaction? Honestly, I thought it was kind of like a weird hoax. It's just one of those things that Tom's already uh, left the band once. What are the chances it happens again ten years later? Yeah, it was just such a weird thing that I think everyone kind of really questioned it for a little, probably about the first hour or so that it yeah. happened. And uh, it was just one of those things, well, especially because it came from, uh, what was it, K-Rock? Uh, yeah. Radio station announced it, and they said it was from the band's uh, management team or, like, press team or uh, whatever. I, my mind is awful at the moment. And then, like, within an hour or so of that coming out, everyone's trying to process it. Uh, Tom DeLong himself put up a post saying, like, I didn't quit. So it confused everyone for the entire day, pretty much. It was just... It was such just a clusterfuck of mis- misinformation and uh, bad communication that it kind of pulled everyone to this vortex of just confusion. Yeah, no question about it. This this whole thing is really boils down to miscommunication or a lack of communication altogether, and we're going to talk about that in a bit. But, uh, you know, I, I here's the weird thing. So you see the news, and it's like you can't believe it, but like – then after that millisecond of I can't believe it, you could kind of believe it, you know, because the idea that Tom would again break up or tell the band he's quit through email from his manager, like you, you see that kind of thing. And we, as a Blink-182 fan, you've been through enough to know that like that, like I would never put it past Tom to do something like that. I, I say that not knowing him, but just, I mean, what happened 10 years ago with the breakup and kind of, you get an idea of how, how Tom works and, and uh, how he goes about his business. So it, it was kind of like unbelievable, but then also like, yeah, I, I guess I could see this and this really sucks if it's true. Um, but yeah, well, the, uh, sorry. The thing with Tom though is he's 
it's almost legendary how much of a dick he can be just for <laughs> anyone who's kind of paying attention to the scene. Yeah. Like, um, what was, I believe it was one of the members of Polar Bear Club. It might've been the singer whose uh, name escapes me at the moment. I remember reading an alternate press. He was, uh, on a golf course, like caddying or something, and he saw Tom DeLonge and got up there. It's like, oh, I'm such a big fan. And allegedly, Tom just turned around. Like, I thought I said no kids and just ignored him. And this is like at the height of Blink 22's, you know, prime and stuff like that. And then, uh, I mean, it's been 10 years. The It's almost legendary how Blink broke up in the first place. Just yeah. Tom kind of snapped, decided he didn't want to do it anymore, and broke up through uh, his management and email. Like, he wouldn't even. Uh, talked to the band. I believe he either changed his phone number or got rid of his phone so no one could contact him for a while. And it was it was just a whole mess of just no one talking to each other. And I mean, it's just, it's one of those things it's almost uh, you know, a gospel myth at this point that everyone kind of knows what happens, but no one knows what happened. But yeah. it's just it's there. And then to see it happen again, everyone's just like, ah, okay. Yeah, it's Here's the hard thing, and I I think uh, you put up a feature this afternoon talking about it, and I think you use this language, and I've seen it other places, people talking about it. it's kind of like watching your parents get divorced, and of course, it's not on that level, right? But here's here's why it has like that emotional aspect for so many fans. Like, yeah, when your favorite band breaks up, it always sucks. But the thing about Blink One Eight Two, something that made them so unique is that they were so close. Like you, when you listen to their music, like you know, when I was in high school, you felt mm-hmm. like you were a friend of theirs. Like you were in oh, yeah. in that crowd, that group of friends, and everybody was best friends, right? That's just that's what their music seemed to convey. That's what their presence and their performances seemed to convey. And so it was hard enough watching it happen the first time. And now to watch it happen again, the way that it has, it's really, it's sad because even though we don't know Mark, Tom and Travis personally, we feel like we do because of because their music is what it is. And so you feel like this pain of watching these people that, you know, really care about each other, like just completely fall out. And I think that's hard. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, Blink-22 is the reason most uh, pop-punk bands currently exist. Right. Like, they're the band that really drew in the crowd to the genre back in uh, 98 when Enema of the State came out. And like you said, everyone felt like they were best friends of the band just because the songs are really upbeat, they're super catchy, and there's a lot of humor in there that is the type of thing you'd share with your close friends that they're just singing and you can relate to. And then if you ever listen to the live album, uh, Mark, Tom, and Travis show, there's even more of that. So it's just, it's this whole thing that really draws you in. And to see that explode so violently, uh, violence is probably the wrong term, but that's what I'm going to use, so fuck it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) To see that just explode is really heartbreaking, because it just, there's a lot of bands that I can see breaking up tomorrow, uh, without a doubt. But the fact that Blink has that many problems, it really kind of hurts and almost feels like it shouldn't be. Yeah. No, I agree. But, um, the the other aspect of that is we'll, we'll probably never know the whole story to it, That's but right. I tend to lean towards the argument for Mark and Travis on just miscommunication, uh, having to deal with Tom's demand so much just for the fact that we all know someone like that. Like, there's mm-hmm. someone in every group of friends who's so demanding or everything has to be so so uh, specific, or that person's just out. They don't want to do anything. They're going to ruin the day for everyone. And 
they're just like a social vampire where they take your time, they take your commitment, and they just suck it away. There's nothing you can do until everything's just right. And it, when you do get rid of that person, it's extremely liberating. Yeah. And you can kind of tell from the interviews they've given, like they're not saying anything bad about Tom. They're saying a lot of things that a lot of people kind of know, but they're not saying anything bad. They're just saying like, this is what happened, and we're excited now. Right. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. That kind of describes it perfectly from, from I think, what a lot of people are seeing. And yesterday, Tom posted that really long Facebook post. And to his credit, he does come off pretty authentic in it. I mean, you, you can yeah. kind of empathize with him knowing who he is, right? Yeah, because, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't doubt anything about the situation that Mark and, and Travis found themselves in. I think Tom just can't view it that way because he's not wired that way. And he's got yeah. his hands in so many other projects. Like I think Mark and Travis see it as like, look, we're either all in this and we're going all in with Blink-182 or you're not. And Tom just is incapable of being able to somehow get his mind to a space where he can even think on that level. And because of that, he can't even really find where he's at fault. By the, I think when for him, it's like, okay, when I have time and I'm ready to do Blink-182, that's when we'll do it. And that's obviously not the situation that uh, Mark and Travis are in. And this is really similar to what happened in 2005. So it's just, it's sad seeing history repeat itself that way. Um, but yeah. uh, so back in 2011, when Neighborhoods came out, I, I reviewed that album for Pop Matters at the time. And uh, Monday, I went back and looked up that review just to read it. And one of the things I was talking about in that review, which I'd, I'd totally forgotten what I'd written, um, I, I remember writing it and talking about how that album, they recorded it separately. Like they weren't all in the studio together. And you can yeah. feel that. You can feel the tension of like the different sides coming through that album. And I, I praised the album in, in a way of saying this is really authentic. You can feel the awkwardness of this band trying to figure out how to come back together. And, but I was raising the question of like, are we sure that these guys are like, all cool again and everything's okay because it doesn't really feel like it. And if, if that, if it's not the case, that's fine, but it's probably better for us to not have the illusion that everybody's all buddy, buddy again and everybody's hanging out and they're in the studio. Cause that's not obviously not what's going on. And I'm not sure if it was ever that way. And I, I don't know about you, but I thought one of the most interesting things about that Rolling Stone interview with Mark and Travis that came out Monday night was Travis was basically questioning, like, I'm not sure that, we should have gotten back together. And that's a really strong statement, but I think some people might actually see where he's coming from on that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, even the timing of the reunion, it definitely was because Travis almost died. Yeah. Um, like, if it hadn't been for that, I don't know if there would have been anything that could have, you know, pulled them all back together to talk again. Definitely. So really from the beginning of all this, it was just kind of like a big uh, – you know, dramatic event that pulled everyone closer just to kind of make sure everything's okay. But the problem is, I think Tom had gotten too used to his own solo project. Um, I mean, Angels and Airwaves is really good, but it's it's his own thing. Yeah. And I think at this point it's his main thing because, uh, what was it, since Neighborhoods has come out, he's putting out um, Love Part 2 and The Dreamwalker, yeah. and I think another EP. And a movie. And a movie, and he just released, uh, what is it, Poet Anderson, it animated the yeah. movie to go along with uh, the Dreamwalker. So, I mean, he's been all in with Angels and Airwaves for uh, closing in on a decade, if we haven't already reached it yet. Um, I think that's what he's wanted to do since then, but 
But the thing with Travis in the plane crash, he felt compelled to go back to Blink and do that. And I think part of the problem is he's had this grand ambition for what Angels and Airways can be, and he's uh, outreached so far that pulling Blink back into it, I have no doubt that he loves the band and he loves what they've done, but I think he's too committed to Angel and Airwaves and he hasn't been able to uh, give enough time to Blink, which is fine if that's what he wants to do, but the thing is, Mark and Travis, they have a lot of stuff going on, but their main band is Blink-182. Yeah. They uh, don't have, like, I mean, Travis has a solo career and uh, Mark is doing everything, but their main focus is Blink-22, and I think it always has been, especially yeah. Mark. Yeah, and I think they just they care that much about it, about what Blink-182 means to them and to the, the still enormous fan base. And I want to talk about that in a minute as well. But real mm-hmm. quick, I was thinking about this. And again, I realize you know some people may listen to this and be like, you know, why do you care so much about you know whether these guys that you don't even know are actually friends or not and that's and again that goes back to just to reiterate that point of like we do care and people do care about these sorts of things so if you if you choose to be pessimistic or you know just kind of standoffish about people caring about the bands they like and caring about other people's lives well you can do that but um that's not where we're coming from here so the thing i want to say well go ahead oh sorry um just to kind of play off that Blink-182 is the entire reason I'm into pop-punk and into yeah. the music scene I am. Uh, I remember being in middle school, and I literally had listened to no music whatsoever except for the Beatles and Oasis when yeah. um, Dad was listening to it. And it was uh, I was walking to the mall, I believe, and heard it blink on the radio. And I literally stopped in my tracks and had to stand there and finish the song. And then I went to a record store and found out who the band was like that exact second. Like yeah. Blink-22 means a lot to a lot of people because I think a good portion of their fan base had that exact same experience. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, let's face it, the the scene as it is today looks nothing like it does today if not for Blink-182. I mean, who knows yeah. if it even exists like in anywhere near the form that it does today. So Blink-182 is a big deal. And that's backed up by the fact that like, look how many outlets are covering this. Like, this is big news. You know what I mean? Like, a band that's released one album in the past 12 years, is this relevant? I mean, it it apparently is true, because uh, Grantland had a feature piece on them today. Rolling Stone's been covering it. MTV's been covering it. USA Mm -hmm. Today's been covering it. Like, this band, like, still matters to a lot of people. Yeah, and what's weird about that is they totally shouldn't. It's just three guys playing shitty pop-punk music. Yeah. And, like, they shouldn't be this big, but the fact that they are really means something to people. Yeah, it really does. Um, so what I was going to say a minute ago, I was thinking about the the plane crash. We all remember the, the, the plane crash uh, that Travis survived and how, just how crazy of a story. Like, when I think about that, I'm still always like, wow, I, that happened. Like, it's just insane yeah. that that event took place. <laughs> and I think at the time, I, I remember – I. I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was the only one feeling this, but I feel like a lot of people had to be feeling after that happened. And it looked like Travis was going to even die for quite a while and he survived. And there was this feeling of like, man, I really hope this reconciliation happens. You know what I mean? Like, I just remember that crossing my mind a lot. And no matter how this ends, I'm glad that that did happen, at least on some level, because I think it was it was good. You know, I would want that if it, if I was in that situation, you know, like I think if, if nothing else, if all we got from Blink-182 after that was, 
you know, another album, whatever. I'm, I'm at least glad just a little bit of reconciliation took place, you know, and I'm sure I know Travis and Mark seem to be hurt right now and maybe questioning whether they should have gotten back together in the first place. But I, I think there's a lot of people that are glad that it happened in some form or another. Oh, yeah. If nothing else, just the few tours they've done at least gave people another chance to just see the three of them together again. Yeah. Um, And, like, Travis's whole situation, I remember the day that happened, it really did mean a lot to people because uh, I was at work and someone pulled out their phone and read it. And I remember him just standing there looking at the phone. He just looked up and all he said was, Travis can't die. He's important. Yeah. Yeah. It was... I- that was some of the most shocking news I think ever to to hit the scene. I mean, for mm-hmm. our for our generation, that was a that was a huge deal. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the future for a minute. And I'm gonna go to you. I have my own thoughts about this, but you posted that uh, that feature today on what you think about the future of Blink 182. So I'm gonna ask you to share first. Share a little bit. Of, it sounds like you're pretty hopeful about the future of the band, and I'll ask you to share why. Well, um, like everyone else, I was really bummed when this first happened, but the more I thought about it, I am actually kind of excited for what will come from it, just for the fact that everyone's been waiting for a new album for years now. Uh, th- the band's come together multiple times and said, like, we're working on it, it'll be out this year, and then it's just delayed and delayed and delayed, and everyone's just waiting. And as big as a fan base as the band has, I think it's really important that something come from it. And uh, after all this went down, and Mark uh, and Travis, I guess, explained that a good reason for it was that Tom kept uh, delaying everything, and now that he's finally gone, I feel like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, once you get rid of that negative attitude from whatever you're doing, you finally feel liberated and excited for once about what's going to happen instead of uh, dreading the fact that they have to find a label, that they have to get a place to practice together. Um and all these conditions need to be met. And I think now that they're more or less an indie band, it's just the bassist and the drummer, and they both want to be Blink-182. They want to play the shows. They want to make the music. And I feel like probably for the first time, maybe even since uh, at the start of their reunion, you know, six years ago or whatever it is at this point, uh, they actually feel like there's a future to the band again. And yeah. uh, they're bringing in Matt Skiba, to I hope I said his name right uh, <laughs> to play the Music Festival in um, whenever that is I forget when that even was. I think oh, it's in March uh, or something. March. Uh, yeah, he's coming in to play that, and I think they're actually excited to have a new member who wants to be there. And uh, the article I did today, I described Tom as the George Lucas of pop punk. Like he created something amazing, and everyone loves it. But I think he's the only person out there who doesn't care about it as much as everyone else. Um, yeah. Like we've said, the pop punk scene now grew up on this. It grew out of it. And I honestly think most bands out there know how to play Blink-22 songs probably better than the band themselves. Yeah. Like, they grew up on the music, they taught themselves on the music, and they worship it. And if you have that many people who love this, I... I am so positive that someone, even if they do a new uh, guitarist and second singer for each consecutive album or something like that, they try someone else new, uh, try it out. I think there's so many people who respect what Blink-182 is that it can only go up from here. Because even Neighborhoods, Neighborhoods was a great album, but the problem with it was, uh, like you said, they it didn't sound cohesive enough. It didn't sound like they were all together. Right. And 
Mark and Travis were just doing their thing, but it didn't quite sound like a Blink-22 album. It sounded like a slightly modified Angels and Airwaves album. Yeah, I agree. And uh, like I said, Angels and Airwaves is amazing, but it's distinctly different from what Blink-22 is. And I think Tom was so focused on Angels and Airwaves, his entire style of writing has shifted to that. So, I mean, yeah, the band won't be the same without him, but on the other hand, I think there's just an infinite amount of possibilities that can come out of this. Yeah, so I'm going to share a counterpoint, um, and I, I totally um, i am with you on, on where you're going with that. And I, I think we're all going to be waiting on the edge of our seats to see how that festival goes with uh, Matt from Alkaline Trio filling in. I mean, I feel like how that oh, show what goes if is say a lot about what the future of the band is. So, what if he's just terrible, though? <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt that like he will be, but... They get yeah. on stage and they're like, oh, this was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, time's going to tell how it'll play out. And I, so, again, this is really nitpicky and, uh, you know, ridiculous. But here, here's my thoughts, if you want to hear them. So Blink-22 is in a really unique situation because, and always has been, because of Tom and Mark. Like these two distinct voices that are, you know, make up these these songs and these albums. And they're so different. You know what I mean? Like it's just always been that way. And even though like everybody there's, I'm sure most Blink-22 fans like both Tom and Mark, but everybody's either a Tom guy or a Mark guy. Right. I mean, you ask people and they'll tell you who they are. I'm myself. I'm a Mark guy. So when that first split happened, I I followed plus 44 more than I followed angels and airwaves. I didn't really like angels and airwaves that much. I was going to side with Mark and Travis anyway. And that's just the way I went. So to me, Blink-182 has to have both of those voices. Like, I don't know if I can call it Blink-182 without it. And I, I know people are going to be like, well, what does that even matter? Like, it's really subjective to say that a band name means anything like that anyway. But like, I'd I'd be fine like if they can did another Plus 44 album and just called it that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if calling it Blink-182 has to be the thing. Like, they could do Plus 44 or some completely new thing, do shows and still play old Blink-182 songs you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To me, like it's it's never gonna feel. I'm never gonna feel as good about it as I would if both Mark and Tom were both singing on the album. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it it does. But um, if you think about it in terms of that, then they almost haven't been Blink One Eight Two since 2003. Yeah. Like, um, like I said, the Neighborhoods was a good album, but it didn't sound like Blink One Eight Two. And uh, you know, if you listen to Mark, Tom, and Travis show you get that distinct uh, sense of humor and just melding of voices uh, between Tom and Mark. And uh, I, like, since they've reunited, I've seen them live twice. And from what I know of Blink-22, I, like, the shows were amazing. I loved it. But just from being in the audience and seeing a band I love, you could tell Tom was just kind of uh, skating. He yeah. wasn't, like, Mark and Travis were all in. Mark was... He looked so happy, and he was skipping across the stage and just doing his thing. And Tom just stood. Like, he forgot the lyrics multiple times at both shows I went to. Uh, numerous times he would be playing guitar and just stop all of a sudden like he'd forgotten where he was going and pick up <laughs> midway through the song later on. Yeah. And the first time that happened was in 2010, I want to say. Uh, and or maybe even 2009, and the second time I saw them was 2013, it was the exact same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's not exactly the same without Tom there, but just in that, 
I think he's been checked out for a long time. And if for some a band this worshipped, I think uh, what really brought it together was the friendship between the members. And if they right. pull in someone else who's as close of a friend like Matt Skiba, they've these two bands have been together for a long time. Uh, they know each other well. If they pull him in and he melds well, I think it will still at least have the spirit that we love from the band. Yeah, I think that's that's your strongest point in the argument uh, because I, I saw them back in I think it was late 2011. It's with uh, that tour they did with My Chemical Romance, and uh, it was a similar experience as just what you were describing, where Tom had some slip ups. He didn't really seem like he was that into it. So, um, yeah, I, I totally get with uh, where you're coming from there. And and if so, there is a there is the that point to be made that they may be better off moving forward with, with somebody fully dedicated as opposed to Tom. So. Um, so let's talk about this for a minute, just to kind of round out the the conversation. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, I know we've talked about this before, but just for anybody listening, we can talk about some of our uh, favorite Blink One Eight Two albums. I don't know if I'm ready to rank them just yet, but I, I know my favorites. What's your is your favorite the self titled? Um, no, I'd, honestly, I'd have to say probably uh, take off your pants and jacket. Okay. I I think that one's probably my favorite and then enemy of the state like i i do love the self-titled i didn't like it so much when it came out but i've grown to love it uh yeah. you know later on i think everyone kind of had a similar experience yeah. but it, like it's an amazing album but it's take off your pants and enemy of the state are just so good it's just it's hard to really put anything above those two yeah. So self-titled was my favorite. It wasn't when it came out. I'll say that. I, d- I didn't like react like knee-jerk reaction of like hatred like a lot of people did. I feel like when it came out, there was like this, oh, just this groundswell of anger or something like people didn't oh, yeah. get it. But I, I was okay with it and I was willing to give it a chance. And over time, it really grew on me and became my favorite because I, it is a big departure from just the straight up pop punk, but there's that just, I like the experimentation on it. I, I like a lot of the it's just got a lot of really great songs. That being said, End of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket are like incredible albums. Like I remember loving, you know, I was interested in Dude Ranch. Uh, then Enema of the State came out and it was like, holy crap, like this band, they're like superstars. And then Take Off Your Pants and Jacket came out. And Enema of the State's the one that always gets like the most credit because it was the big one that broke them big. And it's got mm-hmm. like all the small things and What's My Age Again, like a lot of big songs. But Take Off Your Pants and Jacket... I'm not saying it's underrated because it's pretty highly rated, but it's underrated in a sense of like, I think it should be ranked higher than Enema of the State because I think it's a better album. Like I remember oh, yeah, when that definitely. came out and being like, holy crap, how did they how did they step up their game from what was already like one of the best albums in the genre ever? Like that that album is, is crazy. Like that's a pretty high watermark for pop punk in my opinion. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, where And you see Neighborhoods. Uh, I was said I wrote that review for it. Uh, for pop matters. And I gave it seven out of 10 at the time. Then I fell away from it. Like I just didn't listen to it. Like when I listened to blank, I listened to the older stuff. So this week Mm -hmm. I went back and was listening to it again. And I, I, there are a lot of songs I actually enjoy. It's definitely, it's hard to compare it to something like enema or take off your pants or things like that, just because it's so different. Uh, but, but it's, it's not bad for what it is. There's some good songs on it. No, it's it's a really good album, but like you said, like when it came out, I was obsessed with it for a while, and then it just fell away. Uh, I honestly haven't listened to the entire thing in years, and 
the few times I do go back to it, I only listen to Mark's songs. Yeah, no, I have the same experience. I was a, those are definitely my favorites. Hearts All Gone is like a, a killer song. Like, oh, Jesus, the yeah. songs that are like Mark's songs are like Blink-182 songs. You know what I mean? Like you can yeah. feel it. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. Like um, a lot of the argument against the band uh, staying together and calling themselves Blink-182 is a lot of people say like, well, without Tom, it's just not going to be, you know, you're not going to have a Blink-182 song. And the thing is, I Tom's songs and his singles are really good. But for me, the prime experience has always been Mark's songs. Like, yeah. even without Tom there, he's still one of the primary songwriters that's always been with the band. And sure. even if you pull someone else in, maybe it will be a little different if they're writing half the music. But still, the other half of the music is pure Blink-182. Yeah. No, I and, agree. Uh, the other thing is they could go on as, like, you know, Plus 44 Part 2 or something like that. But Plus 44 grew out of the fact I think that they wanted to play Blink-22 songs and they couldn't because of Tom. And now that they're just like, he's no longer in it, they, for the second time, I feel like instead of having to call themselves something different and do something different, just almost out of spite, I think this time it's more just like, this is what we want. This is how we're staying. Yeah, that makes sense. I, th I, I think you I may really... have won me over with that. Um, did you like the Plus 44 <laughs> album? Oh, yeah, I did. I loved it. Yeah. When it when it first came out, there were a few songs I really really liked, and the rest of it was kind of iffy for me. And I put it to the side, didn't listen to it for probably a month or two, and then just put it back in uh, out of the blue. I'm like, it's Mark. I Mark and Travis. I got to get him another chance. And I fell in love with it instantly. Yeah, it's so pretty great. It's one of those weird albums where you either love it uh, just instantly, or it'll take you'll you'll pick your favorites from it. It's sure. a weird one. Like, it's not a Blink-22 album, but it's close enough. Yeah. Um, I think, and I want to talk about Dogs Eating Dogs really quickly. I think we both liked that, if I remember right. I think you did. Mm -hmm. I, I actually like it better than Neighborhoods. I When I heard Dogs Eating Dogs, yes. I was like, oh, okay, now we're getting back into it. Like, that's how I felt. Like, and I still yeah. feel when I listen to it. Oh, yeah. I, I listen to Dogs Eating Dogs all the time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, because uh, it sounds like they're together again. Like, it, yeah. And I believe that was the fact. Like, um, I Even reading these interviews, I think it was Tom flew in to be with – or Mark flew in to be with Tom to uh, do the album together. And that's why it sounds good because they're uh, melding together the way they should. Yeah, and I think in Tom's Facebook post, like he even said that like he was really into it when they were doing Dogs and Dog or Dogs Eating Dogs. So that makes sense. Like. Everybody yeah. was involved. Everybody was on board with it. So, you know, it's no wonder that it sounds as good as it does. Um, what are a couple of your favorite Blink-182 songs? Oh, Jesus. Um, I know I'm catching you off guard with this. You really did. Oh, no. I, it's – damn. Well, you know, like all the staples are good. Um, I think my all-time favorite is Man Overboard. Okay. Uh, I, I can't not listen to that song. Yeah. Um, let's see, Stockholm Syndrome from the self-titled, mm -hmm. I really like. Yep. And uh, almost anything from the Dogs Eating Dogs EP. Yeah, I yeah, I really I was listening to Dogs Eating Dogs the other day as well, and really uh, remembering how much I liked a lot of the songs. I think my favorite. I don't know if this is a cop out or not, but I've 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 really got a soft spot in my heart for feeling this, and the and the reason why is like it just lame. 
uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a great song, man. And I, it's really, good. it's really nostalgic for me. And like, for me, it's like the first day of spring. Like I just drive around and blare that song with yeah. the windows down. Like that song just feels like warm weather is coming. I, don't, I know that sounds weird, but we all have those weird things of why songs connect with us. But that song like kind of is a huge like turning point, starting over point for me. Um, so I love it a lot. And like you said, all the stables are great. Rock, the rock show is a great song that I've always been a fan of. Um, I like always uh, from the self-titled. Um, I've always enjoyed that song quite a bit. Um, but yeah, there, you could, you know, make a uh, damn it, uh, is a great song. You you can make playlists for days with this band. They've got so many good songs. So yeah, it, they're one of those bands that you can literally almost be talked into any of their any single song could be your favorite if someone had a good enough argument. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, I think that's probably going to conclude our conversation on this. Um, and I, I guess you know the time will tell what happens going forward. Um, but like we said, we have a, a lot of stuff on our website. It's all dead dot com that you can check out. Kyle's feature article um, about uh, his take on the future of Blink-182 uh, went up. Uh, so you can check that out and uh, be on the lookout for some more good stuff. Uh, we promise our next podcast is going to be about Fall Out Boy. We're going to rank the Fall Out Boy albums, give a definitive ranking. We're going to give a, a definitive list of the best Fall Out Boy songs. And uh, Kyle and I are probably going to scream at each other a lot. So it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the battle. Yeah, it's going down. So, <laughs> All right, Kyle, thanks for uh, calling in and chatting. Sure, thanks, sir. All right, that'll do it. It's the official It's All Dead podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Check out the website, itsalldead.com, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the official It's All Dead podcast. You can download our podcast at iTunes and find exclusive music news and content at www.itsalldead.com.